Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and we've got another great documentary to discuss on the show today. For this season of the podcast, we're looking at some of the best films of 2020. And this one played Sundance in early 2020 before hitting Netflix in March. The film is Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution, directed by Nicole Noonan and James Lebrecht, and it tells the story of a remarkable summer camp called Camp Jeanette that operated in New York State in the 70s. This camp was designed for teens with disabilities. The film contains footage of the camp, and we get to know several of the campers, and then we follow them and see what they did in the decades following, and it is remarkable. The film has tons of info on disability advocacy, in the history of people with disabilities, um, fighting for fair treatment, and it makes a strong case that this fight is far from over. It's also incredibly entertaining. It's funny. It's endearing. Uh, as we witness these relationships between several of the campers and where they go over the years. In the previous episode of this podcast, I introduced a new segment called the Snob Free Glossary, where I defined terms and gave context to the films and filmmakers mentioned in the episode. Well, this is a new feature, and I'm still figuring out exactly how it will work, and it turns out we probably won't need it every time. Uh, There's not really any outside information needed for this episode, so we'll just get right into it. My guest today is Carrie Michael. Carrie does a lot of things. She works for a film organization called Made in Arkansas, which we will discuss briefly. She's a yoga instructor, uh, and she's a movie nerd like myself. She also works for Disability Rights Arkansas. So I immediately thought of her when I watched this movie, and I knew she'd be a good person to have on the show with her combination of disability knowledge and cinema love. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie Michael. How have you been? Really well. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Happy New Year. Yes, thank you. Same to you. It's uh, it's finally <laughs> 2020 is over. Um, but, you know, as the podcast continues, we're, there's been as crazy of a year as 2020 was, there was quite a few really good movies. So um, I have I feel like weeks more of 2020 movies to, to, to go on the podcast. So we're going <laughs> to stick with that today. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for being here. And, um, you know, one of the things you do is is you help run Made in Arkansas. And so I'm curious, that's last time you were here. That's what we were talking about. Um, what's the latest with Made in, Ar- uh, Made in Arkansas? Anything new going on there? Well, um, we're still accepting submissions uh, on Film Freeway. Uh, so I hope that uh, filmmakers will continue to submit their work. We've got some really great entries so far, and we're really excited. We're hoping, we're hoping, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> we're hoping for in-person. in-person. Yeah, oh, yes. But we are planning for virtual. Okay. So we're, you know, either way, this thing is happening, and it's happening May 13 through 15 okay. um, of this year. We're hoping we're going to be back at the Ron Robinson um, you know, so, so everybody fingers crossed that, uh, that, that we get this pandemic behind us enough to do that. Um, but you know, we are going to add a few new elements this year. I mean, we're just like last year and this was hugely successful. We were really excited. We're going to be accepting regional films again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, filmmakers who have a connection to Arkansas, either were educated here or are from here, or, um, that are now out of state will continue to um, welcome those submissions. Um, And then we're adding a few new uh, awards. We're going to be 
adding best micro shorts. Oh, nice. We're loving micro shorts right now. And, yeah. it, and you know, so we're going to be able to, to do some of those. Um, adding distinctions for best director, uh, best actor and actress, uh, best cinematography and screenplay. So, you know, we're hoping that kind of adding that little element where we, we actually had a lot of people who wanted to know if we were going to be doing awards, uh, for screenplay. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to tell you that we're adding uh, that this year. So, um, you know, we're really, really excited. And it's been a really challenging year for, for the film community. You know, it, well, it's been really hard to make a film. Although, yeah. as you noted, it's really been easy to watch a film. So, yeah, that's sort of the scoop. But we are really excited about our third year. And, um, you know, hope everybody will join us. Uh, hoping filmmakers will submit and... Uh, that film lovers will join us for some great uh, some great lineups again this year. Great. Well, yes, I will definitely link to the film freeway there so people can click straight from the podcast if they're listening and they're like, oh, I have a film I can put in. So please do that. Uh, but yes, I have just, uh, you know, it has been easy to, to watch these things virtually. And even like, I think I'm gonna be able to do a, a day of Sundance this coming up this month, which is exciting because it's virtual. I can just do it at home. But I am longing to get back into Ron Robinson or anywhere really to watch something on the big screen. So fingers crossed. So we all. <laughs> Yes. Well, all right. That's great. Um, I guess without further ado, let's get into Crip Camp. Wait, you want me to tell them what happened? <laughs> well, two people got cramps and they're spreading. <laughs> we were all very hyper about it. And I have to go shower some people. I'll see you later. I wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't see anyone like me in it. I hear about a similar camp for the handicapped run by hippies. Somebody said you probably will smoke dope with the counselors, and I'm like, sign me up. Up to Camp Jeanette and find yourself. There I was. I was at Woodstock. You wouldn't be picked to be on the team back home, but at Jeanette, you had to go up the back. Even when we were that young, we helped empower each other. It was allowing us to recognize that the status quo is not what it needed to be. The world always wants us dead. We live with that reality. At the time, so many kids just like me were being sent to institutions. It was just a continual struggle. Most disabled people, like myself, are unable to use public transportation. We needed a civil rights law of our own. Rehabilitation program has been vetoed by the president because it was cost prohibitive. We decided we were going to have a demonstration. You get the call to action to the barricades. A small army of the handicapped have occupied this building for the past 11 days. So many people from Camp Jeanette found their way into the building. The FBI cut off the phones. The deaf people went, we know what to do. That's how we communicated to the people outside the building. The Black Panther Party would bring a hot meal. We were like this. We are the strongest political force in this country. We will no longer allow the government to oppress disabled individuals. And I would appreciate it if you would stop shaking your head in agreement when I don't think you understand what we are talking about. What we saw at that camp was that our lives could be better. If you don't demand what you believe in for yourself, you're not going to get it. I said, 
We like to see um, the handicapped people depicted as people. Excuse me? <laughs> All right, let's talk about Crip Camp. So this is a documentary. Uh, the, the subtitle for that is uh, Crip Camp, A Disability Revolution. And this movie I heard, you know, when it came out, I heard some buzz around it. And then at the end of 2020, it was getting some documentary awards. And uh, so I knew this was a significant movie. And uh, basically, this tells a story of this summer camp uh, that was in New York, uh, New York State, that was just this kind of amazing safe haven for disabled people. And so this documentary shows that setting. Um, we, we meet a lot of the people there, explain why that was so significant. And then we watch years i mean for basically from then to now what's been happening with several of the people that attended this camp and the enormous changes they've made in society it's pretty amazing and, and i knew some of this history but i did not know uh, nearly all of it and uh, being able to just witness it firsthand was pretty remarkable so um, yeah that's kind of the basic setup of what crip camp is about um I, I, this is kind of a general question but what did you think of this movie did you like it what was your general impression of it you know, I mean, I, I really did like it and I, you know, I was already excited to watch it because mm -hmm. as you know, and as we've talked about, um, I work for a disability rights organization. Mm -hmm. And so I had already, you know, as you noted, I, I, I knew some of the major kind of milestones around the civil rights movement for people yeah. with disabilities. So, so I kind of went in, um, you know, with that perspective, but this this film, I was so impressed because it centered, and you don't see this a lot, mm. it centered the experience of people with disabilities so thoroughly. Mm -hmm. um, the whole story was told um, from their own perspective, and I love that while these people, you know, while these people went to this camp and it and it became sort of this catalyst for, you know, these major, major... Mm -hmm. Uh, advances in disability, you know, the civil rights of people with disabilities, it really focused first on sort of the human experience. Um, in most cases, some of these kids first ever experience of going to a place where they could be seen for who they were apart from like, you know, like mm -hmm. not defined by their disability, yeah. mm -hmm. but completely welcomed, um, you know, as as part of who they were. And um, it, it's that in itself is pretty revolutionary, uh, particularly for the time. But it yeah. really focused first on their humanity before it went into the amazing um, story of, of, you know, sort of their civil rights, you know, work mm -hmm. that it just focused on that they got to be kids. I, it, yeah. it was so great to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. I think it's like the, the opening line of the movie, basically it shows some recording equipment and then it, it has, it's someone at this camp. I don't remember which character or which person it is, but um, they say, would you like to see handicapped people depicted as people? And that, that, that really sets the stage and, and tells you exactly what this movie is going to be like. Uh, and it's direct. One of the co-directors is uh, his name is James Lebrecht. And he, if I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, but he attended this camp. And so it's very much, um, 
got that on its mind. I think that's great. Yeah, I forgot to mention, like you work for a disability organization. That's part of why I wanted you to talk about this movie with me. And I have a personal connection as well to disability. Two of my very favorite people in the world have disabilities. That's my kids, Rosie and Bo. And so for that reason, too, I was really drawn to this movie and wanted to watch it. Yeah, I agree. I found it really um, moving and really uh, just well made, like a a ton of archival footage that um, they it explains kind of where they dug it up from. But I think it it does such a good job at raising awareness in a a variety of ways. Like there are some kind of ins and outs of disability culture that I didn't know about and just different things about advocacy that... um, like I, I think I'd been vaguely aware of, but it, I feel like it really caught me up to speed on some things like the way that there's um, there can be this kind of nasty hierarchy within disability. They talk about that a few times about, you know, depending on how able bodied you are, um, there's this favoritism that can happen within disabled circles. And so they, they kind of shine a light on that and what a problem that is. They don't shy away from the fact that uh, disabled people are sexual people, too. And and that was very much part of the culture at this camp. I, I like that they uh, include that uh, because that is something I think that, that as, as I've learned more about ableism, having a, a daughter with a disability, I think that's part of um, the fear of disabled people is uh, the fear of their sexuality as well. So that's that's a part of this movie. It talks about all the advocacy things going through the years. And then it, I thought there was another cool um, connection. One of the counselors was um, a, a man of color, and he he talked about his experience of getting off the bus, having I think he was from Alabama, having never been uh, around a disabled person in his life, and just feeling overwhelmed. Uh, but then he becomes kind of a staple at this camp, and then I it shows him. Stuff honest yeah mm-hmm. yeah he he is incredibly honest and i think that's that's part of the this whole movie i think is really honest because i think there's the issue between able-bodied people and disabled people is the fear of the disabled people right the issue is on on the able uh and, and this movie makes no bones about that and he uh yeah so he talks about that fear and then you know, he's being interviewed in modern day or in the last few years. And he talks about uh, when he went back to society that he realized a lot of the same struggles that he was facing as a person of color. Um, or He was seeing the, the similarities there. Uh, and he, he talks about that in depth about, you know, I feel like I can't be myself all the time. And there's this thing that defines me in, in the eyes of the world. And so I thought that was an interesting comparison as well. Um, but yeah, just I, of all those specific ways that it, it raises awareness, I think the most effective thing is just exposure because it really immerses you in this world. Uh, and I think just the experience of watching it, I can even say personally, like there's characters, uh, I don't know if the word character applies as real people, um, but there's uh, one young woman named, um, what's her name, Nancy? I believe no no Denise I'm thinking of Denise she um I believe she has cerebral palsy and she uh her her speech is in she has a speech impediment and the uh the film is subtitled when she's speaking and even from the beginning um to the end of the movie it was just amazing how much more comfortable I grew with with her her style of speaking and and more accustomed to it you know that that initially it's uh there's a it feels like there's a little bit of a barrier there but 
after an hour and a half of watching this uh, and hearing her rep- uh, repeatedly through the film was that barrier is all within me and, and I have to let that guard down. And um, at the end of the movie, it, it's like I have no trouble understanding her at all. And I thought that was a pretty amazing thing. And I think an effective way that this this movie, um, yeah, raises awareness uh, through through immersion, <laughs> I guess. That's a really that's a that's beautifully put. I, I thought it was so interesting. Nancy Rosenbloom is it Rosenbloom or Rosenbaum? So. It's oh, yeah, yeah. She but yeah. So she has cerebral palsy. Uh, you mentioned earlier the archival footage, and and mm. I thought that was so. Um, well, I guess gosh, lucky now, <laughs> like like that they were able to put yeah. this together using all this um, amazing footage that the People's Video Theater had mm. gone with recording equipment and, but, but one of the scenes in the film that struck me, um, and it's so subtle. I mean, and here's what I love about this film is that it didn't really hit you over the head. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't pull at your heartstrings. It just allowed you to see people's reality, Mm -hmm. uh, in a way that was extremely humanizing without being saccharine or, um, I mean, it was just so centered. Yeah, on... there's no big like sentimental music trying to, to draw yeah. your tears out. In fact, it really leans into the Woodstock like hippie music kind of thing, and that it, it kind of explains how that really was part of the culture that led to this activism. But anyway, go on. Well, exactly that it was this huge thing, and it was and it was so influential, you know that that we got a window into, and yes, it also influenced. Um, these kids with disabilities as deeply as it did the broader society and why wouldn't it? But, um, but it was so interesting. So the people's video theater came and they, and, and they just let kids talk and they were super real. These, you know, and you got a sense of, um, these weren't infantilized, you know, as we tend to do people Mm -hmm. with disabilities, you know, these were, um, adolescents fully in their, you know, you know, kind of bridge to adulthood. But, um, but Nancy, there's a scene where Nancy is talking there there there's a huge group of kids and the interviewers are talking about if you could tell your parents something if you could you mm. know give like a message to your parents yeah. um and Nancy begins to speak and as you noted it's difficult to understand her you have to really um you know you have to really concentrate and you have to yeah. really listen deeply and Um, they gave her the mic. They let her say Mm -hmm. everything she had to say. No one cut her off. No one tried to translate. No one tried. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that was that. And then the next kid spoke. And while, you know, and while the, the, the next kid did, I think, you know, just, you know, clarify a couple things that Nancy said, Mm -hmm. I was so struck by her ability to just express herself to mm-hmm. take as long as she needed to take to do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that we got, and that we got to watch that. I, you know, I just yeah. thought that sort of was emblematic to me of, of the whole approach to the film. Yeah. And then Let the filmmakers are making you have that there. experience too. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just thought it was brilliant the way they just let her go mm-hmm. and we needed, you know, I mean, and we should do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really gives you that experience as a viewer um, because it, it doesn't subtitle that that moment because it is it's difficult to understand. And I think, too, I'm getting Nancy and Denise mixed up. So Nancy, that's Nancy that was in that scene. And then Denise 
and Neil are married uh, and they yes. met at the camp. And, and I think they both also have cerebral palsy. Um, so that's, I was getting those two, those two people mixed up, but yeah, I think um, that scene is really powerful. I think that's actually, so my next question for you was going to be, is there a moment in this that you found particularly affecting emotionally? And I'll go ahead and, and say that that scene, um, not because of the, what you're noting, but because in that scene, they're talking about their parents and, yeah. and that's my experience. You know, I'm a parent of a, my kids are young, just five and six years old, but um, that the way they're, but they're talking about the frustrations they have with their parents and how they're overprotective sometimes. And they, um, they don't let them be their own person. And, you know, I'm not there yet. I don't think, but it just reflecting, it caused me to really reflect on just how much parents affect their children in, in any parent child relationship. And, um, I, I watched this before my kids got up in the morning and I just went and <laughs> hugged them tight after. And it just really, I think it, it's going to be something I have to sit with and, and just really reflect on. So I thought that was a really great moment. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Did, did you have any moment in this that was, uh, you felt like a particularly uh, emotional moment for you? There, there were a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but one that really struck me was later in the film during sort of the, um, you know, the episode where they, this group of uh, people with disabilities who were led by, you know, a few of the campers, Mm -hmm. you know, the people who had been campers and were now, Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they had staged, you know, a couple weeks long sit-in. I mean, it was quite long um, in the fight to have uh, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act uh, signed and enforced, not just signed because mm-hmm. it had been signed, but it, it wasn't being enforced. Yeah. Um, and one woman says uh, it, it's something along the lines of like, we live every day with the reality that the world wants us dead. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of made me suck my breath back into my chest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess because I still people with disabilities are having to, you know, even after 504 was, you know, recognized yeah. and, and people in, you know, you started seeing more accessibility and education and things that got federal funding. And then you had the ADA uh, and you, you know, but, but still, and I could talk about this till I'm blue. I won't. <laughs> but um, you know, but we're but we're still seeing that there hasn't been in many areas that societal shift that is needed, where you recognize a person's entire personhood, um, mm-hmm. and where you are welcoming people with disabilities into you know full membership into the community, and. It's, you know, you're still seeing, you know, and, and certainly where, where we are, where we live and, you know, and in other places, so much institutionalization still, mm-hmm. um, put people away, don't think about them. And, and so, and so this woman was not being melodramatic. She was yeah. voicing a really practical reality that it's like, you know, the, the, broader society operates from the idea that we are really inconvenient to have around. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that, that really, um, 
hit me between the eyes. Yeah, I I completely agree. And actually, that is exactly the moment I was going to talk about next. I had two moments kind of listed, uh, that parent moment and then and that exactly that that phrasing of I had never heard it put so bluntly. You know, the world wants us dead, and as I considered that, I was like, that is true. That's not just her reality. Like that is. That is the way disabled that is an ugly people with disabilities are, are treated. And uh, and it, the other moment that really was hard to watch was uh, the, the the moment when it shows the inside of an institution and what it's like there. And I think those moments go hand in hand because that mm-hmm. that kind of gives um, credence to what she's saying. Uh, that that really is that is a reality for for so many people in this country. And and um, yeah, it's it's breathtaking to hear it put that bluntly, but um, it makes you wrestle with it and realize, yeah, that that really is true. So yes, that is my second moment that I was going to bring up. Uh, yeah, and there was one more that 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 just struck me, and it's you know, sometimes you see people, you know, you so rarely get a window into this, you know, how hard it is to fight for one's mm. right to exist, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, I've had very few experiences where I've, I've been confronted with that. Mm. You know, I, I suspect that the same may be true yeah. for you. And so when, mm. when they were, you know, when they were doing, uh, they had gone all the way up to 1990 and they were fighting mm-hmm. for the ADA. Yep. Um, and they did the um, crawl at the Capitol or, yes, you know, yeah. they Capitol crawl. crawl. Yeah. Cap- yeah. Mm-hmm. The Capitol crawl. So, you know, so the visual of people who typically need a wheelchair in order to move around, getting out of their chairs and actually trying to make their way up the stairs mm-hmm. of the Capitol, a lot of steps to prove the point, you know, about how important accessibility to, you know, accessibility is across the board, mm-hmm. um, was just, and it wasn't easy to do. There were, you know, older people doing it. There was one child, mm-hmm. uh, doing it, um, made her way all the way up those steps. And, you know, you just thought, what are you willing to work that hard for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a stunning visual. I didn't know that that, that occurred, but it's, I mean, it's a brilliant form of advocacy to, to really show the world, like, here's, here's what, here's why we need equal treatment. You know, I thought that was a great, uh, which is a really powerful moment. Like, yeah, right towards the end of this film. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I felt like there was just so much too about this movie that, that I found educational that I, um, apart from just the advocacy sides of things, like I didn't know that these things happened historically. Uh, was there anything like that for you that, that was just like a history lesson that, that stood out to you? You know, I, I, um, I knew about all of these, you know, different kind of, um, Flashpoints. Mm-hmm. You know, I was aware of uh, Willowbrook, for example. You mm-hmm. made mention mm-hmm. of the, the, you know, the horrible institution. And of course, the awareness about Willowbrook came about because there was a um, an expose. <laughs> believe it or not, Geraldo Rivera. Did. <laughs> um, I, I know it was just like, oh, there he is. There's Geraldo <laughs> Rivera. But he did a really important expose of. Um, Willowbrook, which is uh, well, was an institution in upstate New York, 
And that expose kind of broke wide open how institutions, in you know, it, at least in this context, mm-hmm. you know, and, and certainly this Willowbrook was probably the rule rather than the exception. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where people with disabilities were just simply warehouse. I mean, it's just atrocious. Yeah. So will dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just horrifying. But um, but that, you know, the discovery of that sort of, the, and I'm, you know, like air quoting discovery, the right. discovery of, um, gave rise to the protection and advocacy system that disability mm-hmm. rights, uh, where I work, is a part of. And so, you know, so the reason that these organizations now exist uh, is because of, you know, institutions like that. But I didn't know, you know, certainly that the groundswell for that, um, I didn't know how closely connected Mm. the the 504 fight, the Willowbrook thing, you know, I didn't know how closely connected all of this was with sort of the same groups of advocates. Like, you know, these people worked for decades, these same people, I mean, of course, they built a huge movement. And I thought it was neat, by the way, you know, speaking of like, did you know? Yeah. Um, my kind of did you know moment. So I knew about all those, you know, kind of big benchmarks in mm-hmm. disability rights history. But what I didn't know were some of the details that were so fascinating. Uh, for example, I didn't know just how much support this movement had from other civil rights movements. Yeah, uh, that that's super interesting. Black Panthers made sure that the that the folks got fed when they were doing the sit-in in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers came and fed them, and you know, like you know, organizations that were that were on like this is frontline gay rights work. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, were standing in solidarity with them. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I didn't know those things, and I, I yeah, that was amazing. Neat. And so I guess yeah. it was like the the state offices that that they were sitting in, and then the mayor's office was was supporting them too. I thought that was interesting as well. Like they were sending them, I think, some food and and supplies. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. then it was the story about um, was it the gay hair cutter who came and 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 washed their hair um, because yeah. that was a, a, a real need that they had. And yeah, it's just amazing how you see different marginalized groups band together in some of these moments. And yeah, I did not know that it all went down that way. The thing I was going to say was like, I had heard about the sit-in. I didn't, I hadn't seen footage of it, but I did not realize what an importance the media played in it. Uh, and, and that kind of along with the Willowbrook thing, it just goes to show like public awareness is really what is needed in a lot of cases because they did this whole sit-in for what, 25 days or something. And it wasn't until it was accidentally on national news that, that, they actually made a difference was that um, uh, what's his name califano um, califano signed the the documents is because of a a technician strike abc couldn't play the national news so they were playing different local stations and it just happened to be on national news because of the strike and that was the thing that pushed him to sign the document that that blew my mind it was so amazing like because it really took both sides like without this huge sit-in there would have been no news story but then without this fluke to to have massive public awareness uh it wouldn't have been enough pressure on this politician to to do the right things. I thought that was pretty incredible. And it's still true. I mean, it's still true. It's so easy to say, you know, we can't make these accommodations because they're too expensive or, Mm. you know, we, we, we need to do this because of that or whatever. And it really speaks to kind of this, um, sort of people with disabilities are very used to being 
pushed aside Mm -hmm. and their needs not really being considered because they're inconvenient and expensive and, you know, burdensome, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and, and so very often what it takes is these major media, um, you know, it takes media exposure sometimes because, Mm -hmm. you know, you can bring it to the attention of policymakers and until they have, you know, until they have, until there is the will, Mm -hmm. you know, the public will to pay attention, um, it's easy not to. And so, you know, and so these folks have had to scrap and scrape for every advance that they've gotten. And, and of course, having to battle their own bodies Mm -hmm. along the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing point, too, is that it's, okay, we'll get the document signed. Okay, now we have to protest so they'll enforce it. And then they had to do another protest so that they wouldn't repeal it. Like, it's like one step forward, two steps back sometimes, and they have to keep fighting in, in these hard ways. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, go ahead. It, I mean, it's, and it was, it, and here again, you know, it was inspiring. I mean, it, it, just that level of sustained effort is incredibly inspiring mm-hmm. without being capital I inspiring. And right. here's the inspiring yeah. music and here's mm-hmm. the sweeping mm-hmm. camera work. And most of this was archival footage that wasn't particularly artfully shot, yeah. you know, but since this is a film thing, you know, if you'll indulge me the way that <laughs> sure. edited it was pretty brilliant. Um, to bring this movement in with other civil rights movements mm-hmm. in really, you know, without taking, without taking anything away from this was a disability led, you know, people with disability led movement. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Lionel from Alabama, um, and you know, kind of how later, um, he talks a bit about, you know, and, and of course, Lionel, as I understand it, did not have a disability. This was his first exposure to people with disabilities, as you noted. But but later he reflects um, and describes his life back in Alabama, where it was like, you know, and Lionel black. And, you know, he, he was like, you knew, don't look a white man in the eye. Don't, mm. You know, you, you learned how to get through, he said. And I could see that same. You know, I could yeah. see those same qualities, you know, where it's just, you learn to manage the world around you the way you can manage it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant stroke to, to draw those connections between those different groups, because I think that's when I, so this is one of those things where like, I wasn't really keyed into this until it affected me personally. And that's, you know, that's to my shame. But, um, when I started learning about just the, the, the challenges disabled persons face and, and realizing there's all these different advocacy groups, but this is so often left out of the conversation. Uh, and it's, there's, I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, but I think by drawing the comparison, yeah, bringing in, here's the black Panthers supporting them. Here's this LGBT groups supporting them. That it, that's a way of saying like, this is as important as all these other things. And, it, and I'm trying to be, it's the largest, she, uh, Judy, who's such a, an amazing leader. She started the, um, the organization that I'm blanking on the name of, but she was at the camp and was a, is a major figure in this movie. She uh, has a moment where she's she says, "This is the largest minority group in America, uh, people with disabilities." And um, yeah, and it, it just feels like it so often goes overlooked uh, when we're when we're making sure that everyone's included, you know. And I think that was something for me that um, once I had Rosie and, and really started understanding this more, realized that um, you know, there's 
we can't have full inclusion until everyone's included, right? Like that, that's the whole point. And, um, and so it, it really kind of spurred me on to like pay more attention to, to everyone who's being marginalized. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but I thought that was a, a, an effective part of this as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we just, you know, it, being around people with disabilities and, and the, the refrain is often, um, nothing about us without us, like don't make decisions about us Mm -hmm. without our input. And, and, you know, our, you know, our society's tendency is to infantilize people with disabilities to make policy, um, uh, either about them or to leave them out of, uh, the policy equation altogether. And, um, you know, the, the, this film really drives the point home about, you know, my experience matters. My, you know, I have a rich experience. Um, I have challenges you've never considered and it is important that you hear me mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. before you make decisions that impact my daily life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to sit by and not let you hear from me on this. Yeah. And it, it takes amazing, um, like speaking truth to power. And we see some, there's a moment with Judy that's, uh, she's speaking directly to this politician and, and she is calling him out cause he, you know, he's like nodding, uh, as if, you know, he's in agreement with her and, and she's like, and I wish you wouldn't be nodding. Cause I don't think you agree with the things that I'm saying, but you need to. And uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the fire that she brings to those things. And uh, I was so proud yeah. of her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing moment. Uh, well, I, we've talked a lot about this. Do you have any kind of final takeaways? I have one one more thing to add, but um, yeah, do you have anything else? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I guess the takeaway that I have is that you know, this isn't over. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the fight to deinstitutionalize continues, yeah. and the work to change society's perceptions of um, people with disabilities and and who they are and what they can do. Um, and how we define them, hmm. you know, is still very much underway. Yeah. Um, and you know, so yeah, my, my takeaway is, you know, from that was that those people laid groundwork that is, that is very much needed now, but this is a very much kind of to be continued sort of story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that the movie makes that point well too, even with every step along the way, it's like, Yes, we did something, but there's so much more to do. And I think that the continuing drive of that from each point of advocacy through this, um, yeah, that absolutely carries on to to today and and going forward. Um, So speaking about public perception, a movie like this hopefully can can make a big impact. So uh, tell your friends to watch this movie because I think it's, uh, it, it does a good job at getting people up to speed. I think it's a good jumping off point. Like you're not gonna necessarily be an expert after watching this, but you're gonna know so much more than you might have before. And it's, uh, it might be a jumping off point to, um, continue learning and, and listening to, to disabled and advocates and actually flex your empathy muscle. Mm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the only other thing I wanted to say was, I think that the structure of this is really well done because basically the first third I think is, is about the camp and it, it really hits home what a safe place this was. And, um, so many of the people said that it was life-changing because that the, for the first time it was like this this thing about me isn't the only thing about me and then person after person said something along those lines of um 
having this space where I didn't have to be embarrassed about anything or, um, no one treated me in a way that was different because, you know, everyone there, or that, that was just the culture there because most of the campers, um, were people with disabilities. And, uh, from that point, then going into all this advocacy stuff and you, again, you see the same people all the time. And so I think it really shows a, how important that safe place is and be what a difference that makes because it was uh, even across the country. So many of them showed up in California and were living there and, uh, just this tight knit group, which is so interesting that, that it was this, this one little kind of oasis, um, sparked so much change. And then we see these people change the world in really big ways. Um, and so I think that just the importance of being seen and heard and having those safe places is really, um, made made clear by this movie in a way that i thought was was pretty cool uh, and then it also made me think about for all the people that that have the, the safe place in this movie and that go on to make the difference there's so many that don't you know there's so many people that were in those institutions and that are still um silenced and don't have the the opportunities that the people in this had and, and these people are fighting for their opportunities right and so it just made me think like i guess that goes along with this fight is not over this fight is far from over that there are so many that um, that are not able to to advocate for themselves, and then so many that are 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 pushed aside, and, and it's just an ongoing and big problem that um, that needs t- attention and needs uh, needs change. But. For sure, for sure. But and, and, and you know, and if I can make one kind of you know to sure. to piece back on that, that um, you know we. In, in a lot of cases, we have not given people with disabilities the opportunity to um, participate fully, and that is a huge amount of um, human potential that we are entirely missing out on. You know, as a society, these. You know, I think what made these. You know, what was so great about the first third of the movie is because you got to see how. I don't mean this in the way that it sounds. How unremarkable these kids are in terms of in, right. in not. You know, in terms of like how wholly unimpressive. I mean, because that's <laughs> not what I mean. But what I mean is how so typically adolescent these kids mm-hmm. are, um, and how you know they got to experience. Summer camp, the way that, I mean, I went to sleepaway camp. I don't know if you did, Andrew, but if, you know, and I mean, I loved every second and, yeah. and, it, and they got to have that whole experience mm-hmm. of, you know, you go to camp and it's such an adventure and there's, you know, all this, like, you know, you get to play baseball and you get to, you know, the, there were kind of all the, and they, they made, they spent some time on this kind of this whole, like in adolescence, you've got this budding sexuality that mm-hmm. is not, not there mm-hmm. for people with disabilities. And, you know, I mean, they, they went into all of that, but I say all that to say, um, that it really makes me think as someone who works in, you know, in and around uh, this movement that, you got to see a microcosm of full participation in society. Mm-hmm. And when people feel safe to do that and you make it possible for them to do that, we all win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really is that, that yeah, microcosm of, of what it could be, you know? And, and I think the movie makes a good comparison to like, it was this kind of Woodstock hippie, like carefree attitude was needed to, to get to that place. And I thought that was an interesting thing too, but, but absolutely. I think you're right that, 
Um, yeah. It's for the betterment of everyone. When, and then once they, everyone. they experienced that, it kind of galvanized, you know, they knew what they had to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it, how lucky for all of us that they did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is Crip Camp, a disability revolution that is streaming on Netflix. Sounds like we both recommend it pretty highly. For sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll check that out and, and, and seriously, yeah, share, share with, with everyone, you know, to, to watch this as well. I think, um, this might be a good opportunity too. I, I have a handful of like disabled advocates so that the whole point of, uh, you know, listened, not about the disabled, but listen to the disabled, um, uh, because they, so many people advocate so well, uh, people with disabilities. So I can share some Instagram people that are, they're doing a lot and, and speaking really powerfully and uh, in this area too. So check the show notes for that. Um, and because we are far from, um, the experts on this, uh, but, but listen to the people who, who it affects directly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Carrie, for being here. This has been a great discussion. I really appreciate it. Andrew, thank you. I always love talking to you. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Big thanks again to Carrie Michael for being here for this episode. I think it turned out uh, really great. and She had so much great information to share. Uh, stay tuned. Next time, we're going to talk about a film called Baccarat, which is streaming on Criterion Channel, if you want to check that out. Uh, in the weeks to come, we've also got Wolf Walkers and a documentary called Boy State coming up. Uh, so you can tune into those when you have the chance and be ready for those podcast episodes to drop. Quick note, uh, for this season, I've been doing weekly. We are going to drop back to every two weeks. I just became a lot to handle. So uh, we're going to do every two weeks, and that way I can make sure each episode is the, up to the standard of quality that, that I want to make it. So anyway, every two weeks, keep tuning in. And thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes now, and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. You can learn more at appallingproductions.com, and that's linked in the show notes. If you want to support Art House Garage, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, or you can buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegaragecom shop. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter by going to arthousegaragecom slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, Andrew, at arthousegaragecom And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob-free.